0: There's been some mixed reviews surrounding the Bearcats hiring Scott Satterfield. So what are those in favor of the hire saying? And what are those who are not in favor of the hire saying? We break it all down right here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome on in. This is our first live room lockdown Bearcats. My name is Alex Frank Russ Heltman, my colleague at Old Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Joining me today here on Lockdown Bearcats, we're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's, or excuse me, today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As I mentioned, I'm Alex Frank, your host of Lockdown Bearcats Each and Every Day, former sports director of Bearcats Media, UC student-run media organization. Russ Heldman is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. He joins me most weeks throughout the season to talk about the latest surrounding the Bearcats football program, the Bearcats men's basketball program. And of course, in a week like this, when you have a new head coach being hired, you've got players entering the transfer portal, you've got players decommitting, reopening their recruitments. There's a lot happening, excuse me, right now. Russ um, what are those? Cause th- there's been mixed reviews and that's been the theme here all week, but what are those who are in favor of the higher saying? And what are those who are not in favor of the higher saying?
1: Well, the people in favor of Scott Satterfield as the new head coach of the Bearcats are kind of saying he's adaptable. He's a high flying offense type of guy, dual threat quarterback type of guy. Uh, A a coach that enables and empowers his assistants has built strong assistant pools over the past few years. That was obviously a driving point in his negotiation with UC, which upped, which didn't up their investment in the football program, but they upped the salary pool for his assistants because he knocked down about 2 million, uh, roughly 1.5 million off of Luke Fickle's total yearly compensation. And then you give that, which is lopped off of the head coach money, and you give that to the salary assistant pool, that's going to allow you to go after some of the biggest assistants in the country. And I believe they're now top 10 nationally in overall investment in total um, total salary towards assistants, which is A really, really big thing and something that probably played a factor in guys like Brian Brown coming over as the new DC reported by Bruce Feldman. And Bruce also reporting that quarterbacks coach Pete Thomas will join the program in some capacity, not necessarily defining the quarterback coach role, but we'll see how that plays out over the next week. Satterfield, the proponents are saying he's he's dynamic, as I just mentioned. The The coaching staff can come together and put together really good results, especially defensively, where him and Brian Brown have cultivated really good defenses at Louisville consistently over the last couple of years. They were the best defense that they've had under Satterfield in this uh, 2022 season. I believe they were top 20, top 25 in points per game, allowed one of the most havoc creating defenses in the country in terms of sacks overall, so... You like that aspect of Satterfield. He made it clear that he wants to be kind of a player's coach, acquiesce to what the players want in terms of scheme, what fits their skills the best. And obviously he is all in on NIL and all in on the transfer portal. He is not going to push back against any of that. That was a huge factor in in John Cunningham's um, attributes that he wanted in the next head coach. And I believe with the Cincy Reigns collective, with the – coaching staff he's going to put together the mixture of those two things is going to really help this program in the transfer portal and on the nil front over the coming years once they get that range collective really fleshed out and then the 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 naysayers are kind of looking at his record they're looking at the results over the past few years the touching the toes into the south carolina water in 2020 and then backing all the way out the comments like He, uh, he's famously said the best part about Louisville is that it's 15 minutes from an airport. Like there's stuff like this where uh, he kind of gets the scarlet letter of classic college football coach, classic guy, just trying to use programs as a stepping stone to the next job. But my whole view on that mantra and that ethos is, yeah, that's what this sport is all about. Every school in the country is a stepping stone school, unless you're Alabama or Ohio state. Look at Oklahoma last year. They lose Lincoln Riley. They got to scramble to hire Brent Venables, And then, then Notre Dame, same thing. They they lose Brian Kelly, and they got to go hire Barkers Freeman. You should value and, I think, want your school to be a stepping stone school because that means you're having a lot of success for that coach to be able to step to the next level. And going into the Big 12, the amount of investment and total dollars for his salary, for his coaching staff – For the $100 million athletic facility going in here, there aren't many bigger stones to step to than UC over the next couple years. And if he does end up stepping away from UC because of a bigger job, then it's going to mean he had great results in Clifton.
0: It's a program that has been to 13 bowl games in the last 16 years. It's a program that is only a year removed from a college football playoff Birth in 2021. So there's a lot of perks. To this program. Now, are you saying, because I said this last week, is there really a such thing as a destination program in college football, Russ? Because if there was, I don't think Brian Kelly would have left Notre Dame for LSU or Lincoln Riley would have left Oklahoma for USC. Is that what you're saying?
1: Right. it's it's about how much are you gonna pay me and how quickly can I win at your school? That's what these coaches care about. It's not about the tradition, it's not about the the recruiting rankings last year. It's about am I in a position to win at the highest level while making a ton of money doing it? And that's all you have to be able to do, offer as one of these schools. And I think uh, US, UC is offering that at a time for Satterfield where he's not getting paid as much as Luke Fickle. I think he realized that he would have been on the hot seat, who would have been very difficult for him to get another contract at Louisville, given all of the dark clouds and everything, all of the junk that's gone on at that. At that athletic, um, in that athletics office over the past three to four years. Clean the slate, go up the road on I 71 to Cincinnati in a little bit of a better situation. In a much, not I'm not going to say much more stable because I don't know all the details on the Louisville athletic, athletic Department, but a very stable UC athletic department headed up by a strong AD. In John Cunningham. It just made way more sense for Scott Satterfield to jump at this opportunity that he described on Monday as coming together very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's great too that you didn't have to go very far to get your next head coach, get someone close to Cincinnati, get someone close to the area. Um, I mean, I, I said on the podcast earlier this week, Russ, you, you remember who from who's from Louisville, Desmond Ritter. So you bring up Satterfield, who's close to Cincinnati. He mentioned on Monday how excited he is to get to, you know, get to know the city of Cincinnati, the restaurants, the nightlife, you know, everything about the city. And I think what you're also going to see is his recruiting. He doesn't have a lot of experience recruiting this particular area that Fickle did, but he has experience recruiting other areas that could be very, very vital to a Bearcats program that I think, and I want to know if you agree with me on this do you think they need to expand their recruiting outreach to other areas of the country like Georgia, like Texas, like California to to where, because going into a bigger conference, going into a conference that stretches from West Virginia to Utah. And now that you are a program that is known around the country more so than it was six years ago, you're going to have to find a way to get those athletes to compete at the highest level. Right.
1: Right. I think that's, that's why you bring in a guy like Pete Thomas, who I think I mentioned on the uh, on the staff hirings that uh, the Athletics Bruce Feldman reported earlier this week. Yeah, I you don't did. know exactly what role Thomas is going to be in, obviously, but he's the main recruit on all of those California guys that ended up going to Louisville in 20, in this – current or currently going to Louisville. They're committed to Louisville in this class right now. The Cardinals, one of the best recruiting classes in the country, Guess how many players are from Kentucky in that recruiting class?
0: How many how many members of, of recruiting are from Kentucky in the Louisville class? Current guess how many?
1: Um, I'll say six. That would be a zero. There is not a single Kentucky what? native in the entire Louisville. I was going to go low. But I
0: didn't think it was going to be any.
1: None, none, and that's I think where the marrying of two great worlds can come together here you bring in the right mixture of staff the right mixture of his very notable and he made a made a made a point to note seven recruiting staffers that he has at uh, at Louisville he said he started there with one they built it up to seven he cares about this recruiting he knows that stars matter talent matters and the amount of talent the level of talent you bring in is really what defines you as a coach so the fact that he could marry that national recruiting footprint at Louisville with the local recruiting footprint at UC, if he's able to retain Mr. Cincinnati, Kerry Coombs, that could be a match made in heaven and a really great mixture of recruiting prowess for this program. The big hangup obviously is how much is this NIL influence playing a factor here? And how much is it? Hey, yeah, I love e. Thomas. I love what Scott Satterfield are selling me. I want to go all the way from, Uh, Bellflower, California, to Louisville to play these games. We're going to probably lean more to the money talking than the coaches talking, because that's typically how these things work. But like I said, the NIL initiative, Cincy Reigns, all the Bearcats fans listening to this right now, flock to Cincy Reigns, give to Cincy Reigns, build that up to be the powerhouse that it could be in the NIL space headed up by, uh, by, I think it's Brian Fox a law graduate from university of Cincinnati, make sure that that has as much power as possible to give these guys, the resources, give these guys who already have relationships in these recruiting hotbeds, the ammo to go in there with some solid offers, some solid packages in terms of NIL to be able to bring these talents in or retain the talents in terms of guys from the current Louisville class in terms of Pierce, Clarkson, four-star quarterback rated higher than Brady Drogosh right now out of St. John Bosco, Aaron Williams, one of his teammates as well, a high four-star candidate, number 172 nationally. I mean, they have five St. John Bosco recruits in this entire class. And one of the recruits already been offered by UC as of this recording, Jaden Davis. He's not one of the California recruits, but He's a three-star, high three-star, low four-star, depending on where you look, safety, out of Suwannee, Georgia. And once again, he's a player that's going to see what see has cooking, most likely on a – I would guess he's going to go on a visit here in the next few weeks as they try to strangle down – or not strangle down, raggle down this recruiting class before December 21st.
0: A lot happening right now. And I feel like you know timing is everything. And John Cunningham alluded to this on Monday. He said the search would take about a week. And it did. Luke Fickle left on a Sunday. The deal came together with Satterfield on Sunday night. So, I mean, you, you got what? Today's, um, as we do this live room, today's date is December the 7th. Yep. This is going to be posted in podcast form on the 9th. So you're 12 days out from that early signing day. So you got time is of the essence here. One other player that you didn't mention um, in a, in a, an, event,
1: an event this weekend, real quick, Alex, that I would uh I would definitely be wanting to get recruits in to see in terms of the crosstown shootout the third arena. Yes. Yeah. See, uh, see how see how much movement there is on yeah. that over the next few No next question 24. about
0: that. And another player you mentioned in one something you wrote on All Bearcats, you didn't mention him here, is three star safety Jaden Davis out of Collins Hill, Georgia. And that's yeah, yeah. so I was just I just noted him at the end of the lesson. You noted him, okay. Are you Okay, so, um, we I mean, there's a, there's a lot that's going to happen, right, in terms of recruiting, the early signing period, and the transfer portal. But you and I both think that regardless of what happens, talent that's here and talent that's going to come in could lead this Bearcats team to a pretty respectable competitive record in their first year in the Big 12. We're going to talk specifically about the quarterback position. You and I were talking about this last night, plus another key player, A hometown hero, if you will, is going to stay home for the University of Cincinnati. So we've got all of that coming up after I tell you all how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by BetOnline.net or BetOnline. BetOnline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. You can go on there right now. Cincinnati, a, a point-and-a-half underdog against Louisville in the Fenway Bowl. you got the college football playoff on New Year's Eve. Right now, it is Georgia, a seven-point favorite over Ohio State, and Michigan, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU. You can head to betonline.net and check out all the odds there. And – If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever. You get your podcast. Alex Frank and Russ Heltman back here with you in this live room. Locked on Bearcats, our first live room. It's going pretty well. Had some, you know, mishaps trying to get it started earlier today at 1230. But I'm feeling good. Russ, you're feeling good. And uh, we, uh, we got the chat going. We'll get to that at the end of the show. We're focusing on giving you some content. And you and I were talking about this last night, Russ, the quarterbacks. And you told me you've been hearing crickets. As far as Evan Prater, as far as Ben Bryant, if either one of those guys, they're going to stay, if both of them are going to stay, and then you've got um, Pierce Clarkson down in Louisville, if he transfers to Cincinnati, what does that do? But one other player who's staying with the Bearcats, Russ, has already decided he's going to stay, Corey Kiner. How big is that?
1: It's massive. Just a massive, massive return. Entertainment for this staff and, and a, a kind of trickle-down player because he was um, actually doing a community event this weekend. Another guy who was doing a community event with the Bearcats logo and representing the team was Evan Prater. So the fact that he's still doing stuff, I think still very involved with the program, that's a great sign. And I, I think Bearcats fans can start to breathe easy at late next week sometime at that point in terms of the cascading effect of the transfer portal kind of slowing down for Cincinnati in terms of exits. So that's something to watch. We'll keep an eye on it over the next week. But Corey Kiner getting retained by this team it's massive. Obviously ran into some issues in terms of ball security or in terms of uh, blitz pickups in practice and really just never got fully acclimated and locked in as a key, key consistent player for this team. And the fact that that happened throughout the season uh, was a big hindrance to his overall effect in the ground game. But he should be one of the leading candidates to be the bell cow next year. And a guy who's a former four star would have been the highest ranked recruit in the history of the program had he signed here in the last couple of years. That's a huge, huge retainment. And it's kind of the great to see hometown hero vibe we're getting out of Dante Corleone, Corey Kiner possibly Evan Prater, no formal announcement from him, but maybe he feels like he doesn't need to make an announcement. Why would he make an announcement? He already committed, already signed his national letter of intent, and already stuck through multiple seasons in this program not being the main guy. He probably has a chip on his shoulder and is ready to show the staff that he can be the main guy and be good to go and start doing that, of course, uh, with his first audition in the bowl game. Uh, over in Boston against Louisville in just a little over a week's time. So the fact that these local Cincinnati guys are staying committed to the program I think speaks a lot to the power of UC as a school and in particularly, more personally, Kerry Coombs and what he's done Solidifying and quelling all of the fear in this program as the interim head coach over the last week, and no firm announcement yet that he is being retained on the staff. But Satterfield did say, I believe it's a Chad Brindle of Bearcat Journal, that he wants to retain Kerry Coombs. He respects a lot of what he's doing. Has given him full reign to control the team, run the team, run game planning, run practices, and run the bowl game festivities over the next couple of weeks as he smartly focuses solely on retaining players adding in the transfer portal, retaining recruits, adding recruits from Louisville's class. And of course, the most important thing you can do in the sport of football, put together the best staff possible with your dollar amount.
0: I saw that tweet from Chad Brendel, Um, Kerry Combs. um, Satterfield does want to retain him on staff, which I think would be massive because if there's anybody, Russ, who knows Cincinnati football recruiting, it's Harry Combs. And what an asset he can be. I think if he's going to, you know, lead the Bearcats program at a time of transition, which is something this program really hasn't experienced over the last six years. And if you think about it, six years in college football, seems like a long time. It's almost double the average amount of time a coach stays in school. So, I mean, Luke Fickle, I've said it, stayed three more years than he had to stay. So you got the right man leading the program right now, someone with high energy, someone with as much connection to Cincinnati football as anybody in the city of Cincinnati. So keeping him on staff would be paramount. Um, all right, so we've got a little bit of breaking news here, um, and we can do breaking news because this is a live room in addition to a podcast Russ, according to Chad Brendel, Bearcat Journal, good friend of ours. Uh, he cites 24-7 Sports Portal, hearing Cincinnati wide receiver Nick Mardner has entered the transfer portal. So that is in addition sure. to Jaden Thompson, who entered the transfer portal yesterday. So the wide receiving core getting a little thinner as these days go on as we – with the portal now open, the early signing day period coming, you really are starting to wonder what this Bearcats team is going to look like next season. Have you heard anything about Tyler Scott, last year's leading receiver for the Bearcats? Does he intend to stay um, through the head coaching change? I have not heard on Tyler Scott. Um, have
1: kind of gotten crickets. We have crickets from that front. No okay. clear intention that he's going to the portal. Also, another addition on top of Nick Mortner, Noel Potter, backup defensive and who transferred from Ohio State to UC oh, last yeah. year will not be, uh, will be entering the transfer yeah. portal this year.
0: Yeah. By the way, we, we're getting more and more people into this live room. So this is really good. This is our first live room that we've done. I did two uh, over YouTube last week, but this is my first time doing it through Restream. So really, really encouraging uh, to see all of you join. We're going to get to your questions and comments at the end of the show. Of course, this will be Posted in podcast form for Friday. It was kind of weird, Russ, not having you on last week. Um, I had you on every week during football season, every week during fall camp. By the way, um, Louisville had two wide receivers get drafted into the NFL in 2021 under Scott Satterfield. Tutu Atwell, who's with the Rams, and then Des Fitzpatrick, who Mm -hmm. really didn't have some – great things to say about Scott Satterfield on Twitter earlier this week. And Russ, I'm sure you saw that um, from Des Fitzpatrick didn't really have great things to say about Scott Satterfield. He mentioned when he was um, I'm not going to say anything. I don't know actually, but I'm just going to say that he didn't really have the best to say about him, but hopefully again, that's just part of the mixed reviews. Cause there are still some positives in there, Russ.
1: Yeah, there has uh, I it's, I'm pausing and I'm at a loss for words here because it's tough for me to try to gauge how much of that is, oh, the coach left, the coach left right abruptly before the bowl game, yada, yada, yada. We've been down through this path time and time again in college sports. It's not these coaches' fault that there is no set day, especially the same thing in the NFL. There is there is no set date where you are lifted from your responsibilities as a coach you don't have to recruit anymore, you don't have to talk to any, any players anymore, you can make your decision on this date that if that you want to leave or stay with your program, and then you get a three-day, four-day, five-day buffer window in the calendar, you get to go around and you hire all your different assistants, get your pool together and then go apply for jobs. That's just not how it works, and Satterfield kind of went into that and broke that down in this press conference you can find the whole thing at allbearcats.com um, I believe it's part three or four that he says that so the fact that it's just horrible timing. It's never good timing, especially with these transfer windows now being so short and the national signing days getting more and more rampant. It's hard. It's hard to keep everybody happy. And so for me, I think it's it would be unfair to label that as a negative to Scott Satterfield, but it would also be unfair to the people with gripes to not bring that to the forefront. I saw Malik Cunningham's dad had a big issue with Scott Satterfield as well on Twitter uh, and a lot of these, these gripes getting aired out on Twitter. So I'm, I'm sure it's happening all across the country. It's probably happening right now with Purdue and their players and their players' families with Jeff Rahm going to, uh, going to uh, Louisville to, to fill out the role that Scott Satterfield left. So the fact that you just never, never get great timing, I think is, yeah. is the big issue there. And we do have a report now from John Bryce, as we, get another live breaking news on this uh, live library. Of course, Brian Brown, already been added to the staff, reportedly added to the staff, Pete Thomas as well, but also Nick Cardwell and Derek Nicholson, assistant coaches from Louisville, going to have okay. on-field roles with Satterfield right. staff as well. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, one of the top off-field staffers for um, Satterfield, John Bryce over at footballscoop.com, as we can find this, has said that Mark Spear is going to be coming with him and the head recruiting and scouting coordinator, Carter Wilson, or well, recruiting and scouting coordinator, no head title there. Carter Wilson will be joining the staff as well. So some of that recruiting lifeblood and Pete Thomas, Carter Wilson, migrating over up the highway
0: from Louisville. All right. So, and this is the beauty of a live room. We can do breaking news. Um, I I should do a live room for every podcast. Shouldn't I? You could. Yeah. I mean, that's how we can get breaking news on this show. Um, real quick, um, I, I um, we're going long on our segments here, but this is our first live room, so it's okay. Um, so there's two positions that I'm concerned about for the future, and they've been positions of strength for so many years. Tight ends and cornerbacks, right? Um so two top 35 tight ends um, have either decommitted or reopened their recruitment. Um, the depth right now on the current Bearcats roster behind Kamon Mateer is very thin, as Russ, you can agree with me there. JQ Hardaway, the second highest rated recruit in the 2022 class, um, had eight tackles in a sack last year, Russ, as you mentioned in your transfer portal. Um, that's a running article that you've got on all Bearcats. He's in the transfer portal. So now you're really starting to wonder what those two positions because we know Wiley and Taylor aren't coming back next year. We know the cornerback we know the cornerback is much different than it's been in years past. It's going to I mean what what's the outlook at those positions, Russ? Are you concerned about those cuz they've been positions of strength for years in this program? The time is now, Shimon. The time
1: is now. Mater, I think a guy that's been a little miffed with his lack of playing time over the past couple of years was a very highly rated recruit in terms of this program's history, dating back to the start 24 seven sports. When he came in a couple of seasons ago, he should have a green light to being a starting player with Leonard Taylor and Josh White on their way out. And I, I think he should be one of those kind of rocket ship type guys that can really elevate themselves in this program. And he's a player that I think is weighing his options right now. He would have been a surefire transfer portal candidate, um, in any other situation. But the fact that those guys, those veterans in Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley are going to pursue NFL opportunities, you got a green light. Good to go there. I don't think anyone should be worried about the tight end position as we sit here right, right now. Cornerback, it's a little bit more interesting. Jaquan Shepard, I think I saw him. I mean, he, this dude's posted. He must be on Google Images all day long because he's posting Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's in the, he's he's the transfer different too. Teams. That yeah. happened Virginia yesterday. Tech. Yeah. So the fact that he has so Wait, many, he's already committed. Already, no, 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 He's just getting a ton of offers in the in the transfer. Oh, table. okay. Yeah. So the fact that he's in the portal. Arquan Bush out of eligibility essentially. You have really thin depth. Really thin depth there. Is is Taj Ward? I'm not quite sure about his eligibility. A redshirt senior. Does he have that extra COVID year that he can come back with? You are very light at the cornerback position. I think you got to be more um,
0: worried about that spot than tight end. Well, I, I, I think you should worry about that position more too, because you know what the Big Twelve offense is about, Russ. They're you got they're going to spread the ball around in the Big Twelve,
1: right? And the, and the depth the depth is so much more necessary at the cornerback yeah. position than the tight end position because you're you're running yeah. through. There's obviously more spot to play cornerback. There's three, four mm-hmm. it sometimes, and you're running yeah. through. More injury is more injury prone position. So, yeah, like sh- nobody would be shocked to see Shaman mater be one of the one of the twelve game starters next year and one of the the main options. Yeah. And in this Scott Satterfield offense, we might not see a ton of two tight end sets. He has employed that before, but maybe he doesn't this season, given uh, given his ability yeah. to be a chameleon offensively in terms of a play caller and scheme designer, and the fact that it's yeah. one of the more weak positions for the Bearcats.
0: Is this program losing momentum in recruiting, you think? Because like you look at the rankings on rivals in 24-7, and they are way down from where they were a few months ago. And I think about I think about guys like Kamari Anderson, I think about guys like Amari Snowden, Braden Moore, like guys who I think I said to myself, I did say this to myself, in the summer, if the Bearcats could land these players. Just think what they're going to be able to do many, many years down the road. And now it feels like to me, Russ, they're going to have to maybe do some rebuilding with because of the of the momentum they've lost. Do you do you do you feel that way? Rebuilding on the recruiting trail. Well, I just think like you know being able to like still be able to land these high priced recruits, or then again, now that you're getting a power five head coach and you're going to a power five conference maybe this is just what happens when you have a head coaching change, right?
1: Yeah, and honestly, I think i have never brought in a five-star at this team. This is, and I wrote about this a little bit in my first initial recruiting roundup, Satterfield's a little bit more of an opposite type type of coach. He's a guy that's brought in. He's brought in high talent. He brought in the first five-star player since Michael Bush, this this recruiting class, to Louisville and Ruben Owens. Now, obviously, a guy from Texas choosing Louisville to play, play football at. like We, we know Adidas has, has a hand and a, a foothold on this program in terms of NIL, and that's where this all comes back to. Scott Satterfield can get you the players if you get him the money and the resources to go get those players. He can build a staff that can go get that talent, a higher-level base of talent than UC has ever brought in if you give him the resources. And we're going to find out if he has those resources over the next two, not this recruiting class, because obviously that goes without saying, but 2024, 2025, those are the pillars for Scott Satterfield at this quote unquote stepping stone job that everybody thinks he's going to step to another job to. Well, if you want to do that, you better knock it out of the park and you're opening two classes to get that train rolling down the
0: tracks. Well, I think too, like, and I think about the mixed reviews thing, like those who are not in favor of this hire, Russ, he hasn't coached a game yet. Right, He hasn't coached a game. And Dalton Pence, who's going to be on the show tomorrow, I'm going to tease something he said. You can look at his record at Louisville and scoff at it. Maybe don't do that. I'll just say that all right uh we've got a lot of people now joining us for us so uh you, you were never talking about this on monday should we do 30 minutes or 60 minutes you suggested 30 uh we rolled with that i think we might have to start going 60 minutes on these because we got a lot of viewers coming but we're gonna um finish up with some men's basketball here on the other side of these um of these sponsors and then we're gonna hit up your questions in the chat this is going well russ this is really going well and uh glad you're aboard and uh just uh, very thankful for all that you do. I mean, listen, me being in Georgia doing this podcast, I I, I mean, what, Russ? We're up to right now, and, and this is live, 628 subscribers. I mean, That's just good. over two, less than two weeks ago, we were at 575. And I, maybe this is what happens when you have a head coaching change. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to take a, a Yeah, it was funny.
1: And... Funny as we get into the ad reads here. A lot of my friends ask me, oh, are you sad? Like, you're the Luke Fickle program going into the unknown. And I'm like, I'm not a fan. All I want is the traffic and the content. And we have plenty of it right now. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's very uh, coaching changes are a time for great interest among fan bases. And that is very clear with this fervent UC Mm -hmm. fan base that has been built up because of Luke Fickle's success.
0: Yeah. No question about it. you hit, you hit all the right notes there. Um, We'll come back and talk some men's basketball crosstown shootout on Saturday after a word from two of our sponsors. All right, Russ. You've been at the last two. You've been at the last two men's basketball games, right? I know you were at the one on Sunday against Brian. Were you at the one against NJIT on the 30th of November? I've not missed a home game this year. Not missed a home game, and you were at NKU. How about that? All right. So the last two games have been good. I like what I'm seeing. David DeJulius is being the leading scorer. He's been. He had 22 points against NJIT. He had 14 points against um, Bryant, but Russ, what stood out to me on Sunday, Dan Skillings Jr., 14 points and 13 rebounds off the bench in 21 minutes, and then Josh Reed, 10 points and 9 rebounds off the bench, and for good measure, Jared Hensley added 10 points off the bench. This team's starting to maybe find itself a little bit, finding a rhythm. They've won two games by a combined 50-50, 52 points. Yep, see my UC math does me well. 52 points. Is this team maybe starting to find an offensive rhythm after some struggles against Ohio State and NKU?
1: <sighs> it's so hard for me to say yes, no, Alex, because of the level of comp. NJIT, one of the 20 worst teams in the country. There's just no fans or butts about it. Bryant would have been the toughest home test to date, but they go into the Cincinnati With six guys out due to illness, including former top 35 overall recruit Earl Timberlake, who played at Memphis and then ended up training to Bryant, has been lights out for them this year. I don't know how much stock you can really put in these past two games. I don't know. It's great to see all of the different contribution. And I think the biggest thing that you can pull away from this positively is what you highlighted right off the bat is David DeJulius and his bellwether status for this team. He's averaging over eight. He's had over 18 points in every single win this season, I believe, or that was, that was going into the bright game. And then he has been under seven points in all the losses. So he's a huge, huge gauge for how this team is going to be successful on the offensive end. And then the, the, the rookies, the rookies, man, the freshmen are coming in clutch right now. Josh Reed is playing very calm, cool, and collected. He and Dan Gillings were the uh, debut press conference men in the last uh, last victory over Bryant. And I asked him specifically. I was like, "What has been the biggest key for you guys getting on the floor?" And it was adamant. And I, I kind of ass- I ass- went into it assuming that they would answer with defense because of what I've seen at practice over the past month. And that's exactly what they said. Coach Miller has been hard on them. He's noted how hard he's been on them. I've seen how hard he's been on them. And the fact that they are taking that, not negativity, but that intensity, the way they've taken it on the practice floor and the way that they've acclimated and applied it on the game floor is really, really impressive to me. And Dan Skillings, a guy that Wes Miller first saw and first noticed his rebounding out of is looking like a the, maybe the next great rebounder at UC, and him paired with Victor Lock and the first dueling double doubles for this program since 2018, when uh, when it was I think Trey Scott and one other player got the job done there. So that's that's the uh, those are the glory days you want to be flashing back to for sure.
0: All right, um, what's the biggest – I know you kind of touched on a lot of things, Josh Reed, um, David DeJulius, um, Skillings. Xh sage Tolentino had a good five minutes on Sunday against Bryant. Now, then again, as you had mentioned, they were about six players. Now, you beat a team who made the NCAA tournament last year, and by 26, I'm not going to scoff at it. Um, sure, yeah. But let me ask you this. What's the biggest improvement you've seen over the last two games from this team? I would say –
1: just the, the easy shots, getting easy shots, getting shots closer to the rim. It's really locking their three point ball. They've hit 10 threes at each of their past two games, 12 threes against Louisville coming off of Maui or, or in Maui. So I think the the interior penetration. The dribble drive moves, the the effectiveness of their interior offense. Victor Locken coming together and being an honor role player in the AAC, being that answer in the front court that this team desperately needs. I think those are the biggest keys to me for success over the past uh, past few games. And my goal, my guy P P Crawley five one three, right on it. Trey Scott and Isaiah Brook were the last uh, dueling double double uh, outing for the UC Bearcats. So I think Victor Locken. And what he gives you unlocking the interior of that offense has really opened up uh, the jump shooting for a team in Cincinnati that still isn't getting to the free throw line, I would say, enough to make you breathe a sigh of relief as a Bearcats fan. Last time I checked, they were in the bottom 60s nationally in right. total three point uh, field and free throw attempt rate. 100 possessions. So you want that to get up a little bit, especially for uh, a guy like David DeJulius, give him a little bit more of an easier shot diet. But Landers Nolley, David DeJulius, Jeremiah Davenport, who had a great first half, completely cooled off in the second half against Bryant. All three of those guys, I think, frustratingly seem to hit the hard shots in terms of Bearcats fans' eyes more than they hit the easy shots but that's just this, this kind of way this team is built, mm-hmm. and that's the way that this team is going to have to win, is by making those hard shots as easy as possible in the flow of the offense, and maybe getting to the free throw line a little bit more, but man, Victor lockin he has been my favorite story, my favorite aspect of this team all Steady season Eddie. long. He is so much fun to watch, Alex. And yeah. He's fun to watch in the in the practice. He brings a youthful joy to this team. It seems like he's fully acclimated coming off of a transfer from European basketball living in Russia to acclimating himself very nicely on campus at UC. So Big Vic has been my yeah. favorite storyline from 2022 so
0: far. And you said practice was intense yesterday.
1: Yes, it was. And it was the um, Neil Meyer the front office news. And now we're talking at the end of practice, just like this is the most intense practice I think we've seen out of this team. Wow. Intense in the fact that they were dialing in and not wasting any moment on that basketball court. And that's exactly what you want to hear if you're a Bearcats fan. Yeah. And what I wanted to see covering this team going into arguably the most important game of the entire season, your your trajectory in 22-23 can really change based on the results of Saturday.
0: No, well, I was just about to get there because you look at what Xavier, um, I mean, just look at their schedule and they've played some dang good teams. They just beat West Virginia. And then at the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament, they beat Hammered Florida, West Virginia. Hammered West Virginia. 84-74. I haven't watched that game yet. I'll, I'll watch it before the game. Um, if you're listening to this live on Saturday, if you listen to this in podcast form tomorrow, say so i got to be specific here about timing. Um, they played Duke hard in Portland, and then they took Gonzaga to the wire. I mean, those are two top ten teams that we're talking about. We look at them statistically – Um, right now, Xavier is averaging 84 points per game, 84. They are shooting the ball. Um, what is this? Um, oh, Russ, I know you got to run here. Um, I'll I'll ask you straight up. Can the Bearcats pull the upset on Saturday? I I think they can. I think it's possible. It's just going to come down to
1: the three point shot. They can't keep. Face with Xavier offensively, if that shot's not pulling, then they're going to have a really difficult time. And the defense is going to get tested like it hasn't been tested yet this season. And maybe the only tougher test was probably Arizona in Maui. And we all saw what happened there. They put up a hundred piece, the only hundred piece dropped on Cincinnati this season. But Xavier is very, very strong offensively. Ninth nationally, 115 points Per 100 possessions in Ken Palm's adjusted offense. Wes Miller, kind of yesterday at practice, was adamant saying, "This is one of the, if not the best offensive team you will face all season long," because we know Houston's strength being that suffocating defense. So, I think they have a chance. I'm not picking the Bearcats. I think the Z- I think Xavier gets it done in a close, close game. I'm I'm excited to see what the line looks like, the betting line looks like on Saturday morning or late Friday night. But I think the Bearcats lose in a fun, fun atmosphere, a fun game at fifth third, but come up just short. I'll roll 83 to 80, Xavier.
0: All right, so close game there. Um, Russ's computer's about to run out of battery. So, Russ, if you want to hop off, um, I'm I'm going to call you and I'll I'll have you on speaker like we did for our live rooms. uh, when We can can
1: run through these questions real quick and then go ahead. Oh, you
0: sure? I I don't know how much computer battery you have left because I know mine will run out pretty quick. I um, got 5%. But, okay. We got about seven minutes. Seven minutes. That's all we need. All right. Let's see what we got. Um it shouldn't take us seven minutes to get through. No, conference. no, no. And uh, thank you again, everyone, for uh, who uh, tuned in today. Bearcats, Bengals, Cavs, Reds, three exclamation points. Then the number three says, do we have a backup kicker? And this is obviously referring to Ryan Coe, Um transferring, entering the transfer portal earlier this week. Russ, I said this Earlier this week, finding a kicker shouldn't be stressful, but I think Bearcat fans are going to make it stressful because they know the kicking game is astronomically important to their team.
1: Well, I think I mean this. This question, yes, the Bearcats have a backup kicker. It's Christian Lowry. They will not be using Christian Lowry next season. They will get a kicker in the middle, no doubt. So, yeah, okay. I don't. I don't have any. I mean, yeah. If they go into the. If they go into the next season with Christian Lowry as their number one kicker, then we're going to have a, a a relapse of 2020-2021 where
0: yeah, no want one that.
1: wanted them to send out that kicker to, to attempt to They've
0: also got Bryce Burton. So we'll see what what happens there. Um. Okay, you responded there. Um. Uh, Michael Beers says, what's up, Alex and Russ? What's up, Michael? Nice of you to um, join us this afternoon. He says he grew up as a Cowboys and Bearcats fan. But he's starting to like the Bengals more and more, also. That's really good. Russ, I'm I'm starting to think the Bengals are going to win out. And I awesome. might be saying that because awesome. of the Von Miller news. The Von Miller news that broke earlier this week. Michael Beers Kiner is a beast. Says for you, Russ, to spill the beans. Uh it says great content. We try to give you great content. <laughs> uh, better content than BCJ, Expedition Midwest. Listen, Chad Brendel is the man when it comes to. Yeah, no Chad offense to you, Russ. No sure. offense we're to not
1: throwing We're not throwing stones at Glasshouse yeah. here. Alex, are we reading yeah. the questions no. or are
0: we reading all the comments? I thought we were reading questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael Beers, is he recruiting while he's filling out his staff? I think we know the answer to that, Russ. Yes. Always recruiting. You're not a college coach if you're not recruiting, essentially. Okay. Pete Coralli, 513. Don't want to dwell on this, but is it true that Cunningham, John Cunningham, director of athletics, didn't contact Coach Prime? I noticed that part in one of Russ's articles was redacted. Russ, what is the um, the truth behind that? We do not have a
1: confirmation if he ever offered the job, ever had any contact with Deion Sanders. There's been no reporting on that. So as of now, we will go into the ether thinking that there was never any contact unless it is reported. But as of today, there has been no reporting of any contact as the UC and CU contingents go their separate ways.
0: All right. This is the last question. Expedition Midwest. I only have a lot of questions, but Expedition Midwest apparently is a big fan of us. So thank you to him. He asked, do you think do you think Fifth Third is full of Xavier fans on Saturday? I'm going to answer that question and say no, because my experience going to the Crosstown shootout and I've only been to a full capacity game at Fifth Third Arena for the shootout once. I don't think I, th- there there is a smattering of X fans and they sit in like a corner. So to answer your question, I don't think there will be. Russ, what let's say you? No, I expect this to be the
1: rowdiest, most fervent UC crowd that I've covered in my time here at Old Bearcats, and I would be shocked if there's a large, large contingent okay. of Xavier fans at that game. And yeah, funny guess- enough, the last time UC beat Xavier at home, and the last time they beat him overall, was the last time they had a full capacity crowd at 5th, Third Arena yeah. back
0: in the 2018-19 season. I was at that game that was a very good uc team one of my favorite uc teams um because that team really overachieved um after losing gary clark jacob evans and kyle washington uh fun team to watch this has been fun uh almost 60 minutes in russ i know you gotta run uh thank you as always for bearing with me through our mishaps earlier but uh, hey this was a great first live room we're gonna do this again um we'll do you know what russ i think you and i are gonna have to start to move this to friday I think it's a good way to end the week, right? Yeah, it's fine with me.
1: I'm excited so we'll, to
0: do it. We'll record on, on Wednesday, post it on Friday. Russ, thank you for joining, and uh, I'll see you soon. Um, Pete Crawley, 513, says, Loving the live, fellas. Keep this going if you can. We will. Russ, thank you as probably. always. Um, keep yeah. up the great work, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, all right? Of course. Sounds good, Alex. New era for
1: UC football, and a big one this weekend in the Crosstown shootout. Cannot wait to break it all down next
0: week. No question about it. He's Russ Heldman. Thank you to him for joining me. Thank you to you for joining our live room. Thank you to uh, you for making this, if you're listening to this in podcast form, your first listen every day. Locked on Bearcats, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere that you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, Alex Frank now underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Been a great week. We'll be back on Monday recapping the Crosstown shootout, continuing our coverage of Scott Satterfield, who's entering the transfer portal, who's decommitting, who's reopening their recruitment, all the things that you're talking about, we're talking about, right here on Lockdown Bearcats. For Lockdown Bearcats and for Russ Helman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, I'm Alex Frank. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back on Monday right here on Lockdown Bearcats. And, of course, enjoy the Crosstown shootout and meet some Skyline Chili on Saturday. Back on Monday, Alex Frank signing off from Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great weekend, everybody.